This is the Influence Leadership Podcast, episode 33. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Influence Leadership Podcast with Chris Fuller, where our heart is to develop leaders like you and help you increase your individual influence and your leadership skill set. I am Brett Duncan, and I am here today with Chris Fuller. Hello, Chris. Hey, Brett. How goes it? It's going great. It's a good day. Always a good day. Yeah. Uh, jumping in with you and doing these podcasts is uh, one of those things that gives me energy, so all good. Yeah, I know. And we're getting a lot of great feedback on, on the topics, uh, which is, is great. And we certainly welcome any input any of you have. Uh, so drop it in the comments, shoot us an email or hit us on Facebook, whatever. But we'd love to know if you've got certain topics that you want to hear from. Um, one that we're going to talk about today, I mean, it's everyone's favorite topic, right, Chris? It's, it's change. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't want well, to talk about yeah. change? Well, why not? Um, the, 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 the truth behind it is we're all changing. Yeah, now, we may not like it, but the fact is change is going to happen with or without us. Yeah, no, it, it's the, the ironic thing is in business, in life, um, changes the status quo, right? Yeah, that's it. And I, I heard somebody say uh, status quo is Latin for the mess we're in. <laughs> that's even better. Uh, we might just need to stop right now. That's good. Take that around <laughs> with it, everybody. No, but we're going to start. This is just a, a very informal uh, discussion, it really based off of one, just observations you had, Chris, uh, but reminders to people on, yes, we talk a lot about as leaders, you know, we are obviously leading change on a regular basis and that's necessary, but when is it, when are we overdoing it or when are we doing it for the wrong reasons? Or, you know, as you put another way, uh, we see so many companies and so many people who are changing too much stuff too often, too fast. And as you can imagine, it's not getting the results that they're wanting. Absolutely. The, and this, for me, stemmed from the conversation that we had about marry the mission, date the method. And we need to be agile. We need to be nimble. We need to be adaptive, no doubt. But when, when leaders change for the sake of change, not for the sake of improvement, that's when the organization starts to feel the negative impact of not a strategic change management leader, but more of a schizophrenic change management leader. Okay. Now, what do you mean by schizophrenic? Well, obviously, I'm, I'm, I have multiple personalities going in multiple directions, and, and it's one thing to be an innovative market disruptor that is this uh, efficient, effective change management that's going to improve and take over the world, and it's another piece to be a little bit flighty, a little bit unfocused, a little bit schizophrenic with a hard time to, oh, look, it's a squirrel. Mm-hmm. Right. Which and so, Yeah, that, that, what that does to the team is the team has no security basis. Mm-hmm. Now, we can be in change, but we don't um, need to be in change for the wrong reasons. We need to be in change for the right reasons. So that, that was really the genesis of, the, of wanting to chat about this one today. Okay, so let's, let's talk about that. I mean, what are the right reasons? What are the wrong reasons? Well, the, the wrong reasons is if you are a leader that gets bored easily mm-hmm. and you start to make some of those changes, that's obviously a wrong reason. If you do the right change in the wrong timing, or if your team isn't ready for change, maybe they're they're in in what's called change saturation, or or the change is going to be um, lag in implementation, 
right change in wrong timing equals wrong change. Mm -hmm. You can't do the right thing in the wrong way in the wrong timing and expect a great outcome. So that's a, that, you know, when, when, do you know your team? Do you know if they're saturated? Do you know if the, the, it's one thing to press the team, it's another thing to break the team based upon, upon again, um, march left, march right, march left, march right, and, and any time the leader changes where they're looking, um, essentially the entire organization is asked to change directions. Hmm. Well, and that's, I like that word saturation, and I want you to dig a little deeper there uh, on just exactly what that looks like because, you know, my experience, and you tell me what yours is, but it just seems like, again, we talk about status quo. The status quo for today's corporate organization is having having teams that are, they're not just working through the changes. They are overwhelmed by it. They are in a constant state of big changes. They are saturated, right? So, I mean, Keep going off of that. What do you see specifically, and why is it so detrimental? Well, when you when you look at again the term saturation, so essentially, you know, when you think about um, uh, let's let's go with a, a sponge, right? When a sponge is separate, saturated, it cannot hold another drop without something leaking out. Mm. So you can enact a different change. You can you can ask the team for more, but essentially, uh, the usefulness of that has lost its impact. So it's a lot like Texas rains in the spring. When the ground gets saturated, there's nowhere for that water to go. It's not going to get absorbed and, and have the impact into the ground. All it is is going to be runoff. So if, if changes, the organization is saturated, the hearts and the minds and the application of the people, it's simply going to be runoff. And ultimately, it's going to have a brand damage to the leader because the people are essentially going to say, does the leader even understand that we can't change this much this soon, this fast? Oh, that is such a big one because so many people feel that way. And it puts a lot of pressure on a leader, right? I mean, let's let's make the, the proper assumption here. I think most leaders are truly motivated by good things. They want to do the right thing. And yet so many of them find themselves in this position of, of changing just for change's sake. Um, so how are you, a, as a leader, how do you identify those moments on when not to change? You know, even though maybe everything else around you is telling you uh, that you should, but, you know, how do you know when not to change based off what you're saying? Well, so here's a struggle that I'm, I'm well aware of within leaders. The leadership above you is demanding you do something different or achieve a different result. Mm-hmm. So the, the downward pressure from your upline mandates that you enact change before the team is ready for change. So when that happens, you, you truly have to be a leader of influence that can lead up to say, I agree we need change, but here's why I believe the change is likely going to lag, and I've got to be able to win that argument and hold my own in the boardroom to be able to negotiate the speed and pace of change and to talk about the change that we can hold. Um, it, it's one thing for us to take the land. It's another thing for us to hold the land. And I think that that has to be a key negotiating piece that you as a leader need to get efficient or effective at, and that is negotiating the amount of change that is dictated upon you. Um, can you get to that point? Yeah. All right. So from the, the, the next point, it's just um, leaders usually operate at a faster pace than the team. Mm -hmm. 
we get there faster, we think faster, we see ahead, we're a visionary, four steps ahead of the next, the team's playing checkers and we're playing chess. Yeah. And the frustration that can occur because we have the envisioned future, we want to get the team there bigger, better, further, faster, and the, the struggle is, um, you know, th there's a saying that essentially say people change when they hurt enough that they have to, when they learn enough that they want to, or when they receive enough that they're able to. Hmm. Say that one more time. Yeah, so I, this comes from my mentor, John Maxwell. You guys know that, that John's my mentor. And, and in his book, Failing Forward, I got this from that a, a while back. And, and essentially, he says people change when they hurt enough that they have to. Or when they learn enough, they grow to a point that they want to change or that they've received enough that they're able to change. So the question is, does your team right now hurt enough? Are they in a state of deficiency where they have to change, where they're motivated to change to, to, to um, get away from the pain? Or we instill a growth culture where they can see a new envisioned future, or we have poured into them sufficient that they now have the skill set that they can change. So it's really a matter of pain resolution or enlightenment or skills development that's going to enact the appropriate change. Yeah, that is really, really strong. Tell me if you see this, Chris. I'm sitting here thinking about scenarios and Sometimes, especially when you get into a change-saturated culture, right, or you've gone through so many changes for all the mostly the wrong reasons that we're saying here, or maybe some of it was the right reasons, but do you see leaders who have done that so much that they almost see that as part of their identity or their value is if they're not driving change, if they're not kind of just sitting in what's already been done in the accomplishments, um, they just feel like they're completely useless? There, there are people that have built their brands on that. I know um, one organization right now that had a um, a hatchet man, hatchet woman come in, and their piece was, uh, your team has gotten too fat, so to speak. Um, there's there's too many headcounts, and so I'm brought in as this change agent that's going to lean out the organization and make the hard decisions, and I'm going to come in. And the struggle is. It may be one conversation to right-size an organization. It's another thing to make your brand that you're going to reduce headcount and cost to increase impact to the organization. And what usually happens is they cut too bad, too deep, too far, too fast, and it starts to change the culture. And really, the implications of that change aren't going to be felt until that leader likely exits the organization and we find out that we lost some really great people along the way, that's going to harm us. An interesting piece about change is that um, usually there's a lag between change announced, change made, and change impact. Mm -hmm. So what happens is changes that, that are going on. For instance, um, you may make some changes. If you have a sales organization, you make some changes in, in, in your advertising and it may take three or four or five six months to show up that the pipeline is either increasing or drying up so the 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 sales immediately if a, if a sales manager has an impact in the first 30 to 60 days I'm always leery of that change being the true change because that may be carryover from the previous leader that's finally maturing mm-hmm so how do we know that the change is uh, is real change, and, and how is it just consequential from, um, again, from, from things that were put in motion 6, 9, 12, 24 months ago? 
Right. Yeah. And that, that is such a key thing to keep in mind. And I see it a lot in my business with people launching things, right, which is a, a type of change. You launch a project or a product or a program or a campaign or whatever, and you get in a continual state of launching. And yet you never actually let what you launched last week really take root uh, because as soon as people are starting to get it, you launch something new, right? And they're like, oh, okay, I thought you wanted me to focus on this, but I guess you want me to focus on that. And so exactly. You- and so think about think about it from a from a dietary standpoint. Mm-hmm. What if you continue to consume without ever digesting? Wow. Sometimes we I feel like I, I actually do that, Chris. We have to absorb <laughs> the nutrients, right? We have to we have to absorb the impact of that and be able to digest that as an organization. Consumption is great, but not when we are over consuming, overindulging, and never allowing that time to process. Yeah, you know, you mentioned something a few minutes ago about um, you know leaders typically work at a faster pace. They get things faster. They they have higher expectations, higher levels that they can achieve at. Um, and so you're constantly balancing that as a leader, right? With you personally, where you want to be, where you know you should be, what you think it should be, and how you're bringing people along. And it comes back to really this commitment to incremental growth, right? And And so how does a leader commit to incremental growth while also not losing that fire and ambition and vision that actually made them a leader to begin with. I think it's great to stretch your people. So if I'm putting a stretch goal out there, I may put a 1.4, 1.5 multiplier out there. Mm-hmm. I'm likely not going to put a 3x multiplier out there. Mm. So when when I when I look at the situation, I, I I try not to think in terms of of wholesale large change. Uh, just you know. Um, just a complete 180. I'm looking for small incremental change, sort of a Kaizen or a continuous improvement mindset that looks at how do I improve one degree a day. If you know the the motivational message that I talk about at times is if you're 180 degrees in the wrong direction, let's just make one degree change a day, and in six months we'll be 180 degrees from where we were. Mm. Yeah. How do we focus on those small continuous incremental improvements that that ultimately will yield the impact that we have uh, or that we want. As a leader, we need to keep our eye on the market. There's some market conditions that may end up making us change. We've got to balance the external forces with the internal capabilities and capacities. And that is that leader is that that eye on the prize and eye on the market with a deep understanding of the team that I have and the number of changes that we've made and how disruptive is it going to be. And, and the old change management style is um, it's frozen. We've got to thaw it and then we've got to embed it and then we've got to refreeze it. Hmm. And so that 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 uh, freeze thaw freeze mindset coming into the change. How many leaders just toast everything mm. where there is no uh, there, there's no opportunity to refreeze and restabilize any of it. And so we're just in a constant state of change, which ultimately is uh, a constant state of emotional threat to those that are experiencing the change. That is such a good visual uh, to apply it. I've actually never heard that one before, but really, really helpful when it, thinking about thawing and refreezing. It, it's outstanding. Awesome. Um, 
Well, and I think this has been helpful. And like we said, it was just a very informal discussion. I think quick and to the point. But, you know, ask yourself as you're listening now, am I changing for the sake of change or am I a leader that changes for the sake of progress? And we talked about what differentiates the two ways of the two mindsets there. And you know what? Here's the here's the thing. We're all susceptible to both and we're probably all guilty of both. Right, Chris? Absolutely. And so, you know, just accepting that, but then also accepting in the in the spirit of incremental growth. OK, how do I get better? How do I get better at leading change? How do I get well, you better? You just need to change, Brett. You just need to change. Just yeah. change, Brett. Just oh, change. OK, I'll just do that then. Good. And, and, and really, I just want to motivate you to change. You just need more passion and, and you just need to change. I wish we had said that at the beginning. I mean, we could have covered that <laughs> right up the front. But yeah. No, uh, I'm sensing the sarcasm. So I know so much more I, to it. Fluent sarcasm. Um, so I think that the key piece is just, again, understanding and, and having an effective process. So when I get better at change, I need those key influencers, those swing dogs around me at times, or those wheel dogs. Both of those, I think, are keys to, to understand and have the conversation with your team. Now, you're going to be able to know when your team's kind of being lazy on you, and you're going to want to press, but to truly get some of those trusted advisors around you that can say, do I have key stakeholder buy-in? Am I making too many changes too fast? What's going to slow down the implementation of this? Guys, can we get rally your team around you? Can we get this done within this time frame? Or if you want to throw out that, that, uh, that goal, that what we call commander's intent, hey, I want, to, I want to achieve this in that first 100 days like we talked about last time, then the question is what do you need from me as your leader to get it done? How can I resource you? Do you need more time? Do you need more tools? Do you need some outsourcing? third-party vendors, I mean, what can we do? What can I, I need this done, but what do you need from me as your leader to be able to achieve it? Mm, that's a great, great spot to end on. Ask, ask your team those questions. Go through that exercise. I uh, promise you, you won't regret it. They certainly won't regret it. And I think the results that you'll get out of that will be uh, a wonderful first step towards truly changing for the sake of progress, which is what we all want. Um, I want to encourage you to go to the website, influenceleadership.com. All things Chris Fuller, all things Influence Leadership are located there, including the blog, including a free downloadable listing of 151 Fullerisms, which are a joy to read and dwell on uh, at any given moment. And uh, we welcome you to rate the podcast, be that on iTunes or SoundCloud or whatever it is that you use. We would really appreciate that. Certainly means a lot to us. And definitely want to encourage you to go check out some of the other episodes. We kind of touched on a few topics that uh, we've spoken to before today. So check those out. If you like today, you'll love those as well. Um, Chris, final word. You know, I, I think that, that in the midst of change, change is right, change is good, change is normal, change is all those things. But as we look at it, let's just be a little bit more strategic um, to be a little bit more mature about change. The immature leader would just demand change for change's sake, regardless of what's going on. I think the maturity gets us focused on what changes can we make, when should we make them, and we're just a little bit more, uh, again, seasoned or mature about the change that we have. I believe that, that you guys can get there. You can get it anywhere that you want to. It just may take a little bit longer. We just need to be a little bit more focused about 
the amount of change the team is uh, experiencing and what that's doing. Let's get them into that optimal spot, not that saturation spot. And uh, again, we're looking to achieve the dream in 17. So we mature our systems, our processes, our thoughts, and our cultures. Great. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Influence Leadership Podcast. Mm-hmm.